All right, this is the A. I'm Reg Clay. Usually I would have Norman G., but he is visiting folks for Thanksgiving. By the way, happy post-Thanksgiving. And I have a fantastic guest, Brian Bottom. How you doing, man? Very good. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Brian, uh, you are a former actor and a comedian, and... Um, I still want to get you back on stage again, but you and uh, you and I know each other because we did the marriage of Benton Boo. I was a stage manager at the time, and uh, you were uh, one of the funniest individuals on the stage. As Reverend, I forget what the Reverend's name was. <laughs> oh, I forget too. I did the doctor, and I was a Reverend, but the Reverend was the best part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He had to. Oh, and also, I should say that we also have your fiance Tracy. Uh, Tracy, do you want to say hi to the folks? Hello. <laughs> hi. You can bring the mic up a little bit closer to you. Yeah, uh, Tracy, of course, you're not a performer. Uh, you <laughs> you work for the Alameda County uh, District Attorney's Office, and we have a sort of a connection, sort of a, a six degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever, yeah. but uh, you work with Nancy Tung, mm-hmm. and Nancy Tung was my former, I was her former paralegal when she worked for the San Francisco DA's office, so it's great to have you on as well. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we had a, a fantastic time doing the marriage of Bet and Boo and the parties. I mean, my God, we had three <laughs> three p- parties, I think. <laughs> I yeah, I remember we uh God, I remember there was one that was just yeah, I don't I don't think it was our party. It was somebody else's party we lent up crashing. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think Ray had a party and uh, and that got the wild and then we went to a bar. And then that got a little wild and then I remember there was something else. I, my memory is, I, is foggy. Yeah. That was when Ray was in the – I think he was in the mission still at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that was, right. That was still when they actually kind of had more artists in the mission. I'm not sure. It's been a while since that. I've been around that neighborhood. Yeah, it's a lot has changed. I, I mean, know. so much has changed. I mean, we're talking about 2000. As a matter of fact, our first rehearsal was September the 11th, that's 2001. Right. Yeah, I yeah. remember that. Yeah. yeah that, and, of course, we crazy. had to cancel everything out. And uh, Yeah, yeah, that was very intense. Yeah crazy yeah any case usually i uh, i begin our podcast talking about current events and and stuff like that and do we get into an origin story or what have you but otherwise uh how how's the years treated you i mean how, how are you doing these days oh uh, good yeah Very good yeah i just uh i've been uh i'm an occupational therapist so okay. most of my uh most of my career has been in the hospital hospital setting so mm-hmm. i st mary's medical center in san francisco for for about 10, and, and okay. recently I just moved in with Tracy over in Benicia. Cool. So uh, now I'm working for Sutter Home Care. Okay. So now I'm going to people's ho- homes to do uh, do therapy. Yeah. Which is very different, I yeah. have to say. It's much different. Yeah. So well, well I imagine you, you carry those comedic skills to uh, make folks happy there. Yeah. No, I'm still trying to figure it out. Like, in somebody's home, you have to be a little bit more... You know, I haven't, you know, the connection's not quite as much. You know, in the sure. hospital, I was pretty comfortable as far as being able to go into a room and, and sort of get things going. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You need a little back and forth, and it's uh, tough yeah. depending upon who you're talking to. Yeah, and, you know, the structure is very different as far as uh, even the treatments. Like in the hospital, it's very much like you're working with somebody for 30 minutes or an hour. Yeah. Or, you know, you you got to do a certain amount of time. So, mm-hmm. you know, you got to fill that time in. Uh, you know, and you're doing a lot more sort of actual life uh, application stuff. So getting yeah. dressed or, you know, standing at the sink. Mm-hmm. You know, in homes, you know, you're, you're a lot of times you're not as physical. So at this point, it's kind of a little bit more, you know, actually kind of like, well, what matters for that person? And, 
you know, that yeah. that sort of stuff. So, and, and so <laughs> in a lot of ways, it's almost like I'm a con- consultant. Sure. Now, is it is it just physical therapy, or is there some psycho- psychology? Well, as well, it's an occupational therapy, so okay. it's kind of like physical therapy as far as. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, there there is the exercise component, but it's always I like to say more application based. Sure. So you know, ideally, is like you know, we like, it's like, hey, PT, it's kind of like you know, you just stand in place, like yeah. occupational <laughs> therapy, you actually do something. Mm-hmm. Or you know, I always like to say like PT, it's kind of like a hammer, and when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm-hmm. You know, occupational therapy, it, it's like a it's like a scalpel or a laser. You know, it's yeah. a lot more. There's a lot more nuance. <coughs> yeah. As we also like to tell my patients, like, you know, I would like to think of yourself like you're an impala mm-hmm. over in the Serengeti. And there's a lion. Impala's a deer, right? Right. Like <laughs> okay. a deer. It's a, deer. It's a pack animal. Okay. You know, like you're you're over there, right? Now, yeah. like your PT's great. You know, you mm-hmm. know it's going to get you to run fast, right? Sure. Now, if you're the slowest impala, though, you're going to get eaten. So you're going <laughs> to need your <laughs> occupational therapist to teach you how to hide. And if you're good enough, you can be a Chevy Impala. There you, <laughs> you go. go. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So, you know, it's kind of like that. You yeah, know, the, there, the there you go. The OT is, uh, you know, but then also, you know, I, as I say, I can work in the home setting or I, I can work in a hospital, but then a lot of times you'll have occupational therapists doing school-based, mm-hmm. working with kids with their handwriting or like their, you know, basically integrating into school. And then, you know, there's the mental health component too. So like San Francisco General, mm-hmm. you know, there's the, the mental health OTs. <coughs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, state mental hospitals, mm-hmm. which I did an internship in, which was very cool. So yeah. yeah, very cool. Yeah. One thing that I remember about us, because not only did we, you know, do the one of the things that we've had, we've had guests on and we've talked about how theater is not just you do a show and you build the set and then you strike the set and then everyone goes and do, all, do their other things. And you try to get, go to Hollywood or, you know, I don't know, Broadway or whatever. But a lot of times it can become a community. You can b- build friendships that last for a long time. Immediately after the marriage of Bette and Boo, we took a road trip. It was you, yep. me, and... Um, My cousin. Yeah, your cousin. Camille, And, yeah. and that, that was uh, memorable as well. <laughs> but also, we connected with sports. And oh, yeah. now I can connect this with current events. So what do you think of the... Because um, boxing, that's another thing oh, that yeah. we have. Um, we've got Deontay Wilder, who uh, defeated uh, Ortiz. Um, I don't know if you're into heavyweight boxing. You were more into... Bernard Hopkins. I like, yeah. You know, honestly, like with the boxing, I haven't followed it as mm-hmm. closely. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, working in the healthcare, I'd actually see people with brain injuries. Oh, And then, you yeah. know, and it wasn't even so much as that. I think sure. that uh, the big thing was, is, um, you know, it, it's just the, the, the politics of boxing. As yeah. far as like yeah. how many sanctioning bodies, it got <coughs> very confusing. Yeah, there's the WBF, WBA, IBO. I think there's four. There's four considered major, the IBF, WBO, WBC, Mm -hmm. uh, WBA. Yeah. And then the other thing was is that, you know, it's not just the fact that, you know, everybody wants to see who's the best. Right. So once in a while, you'd actually have somebody like, you know, unify a few of these titles. Sure. And then. If if they have the courage to do it. Right. You know, or you could get the business point and then next thing you know there's an interim champ or there's a super champ like what the heck does that mean yeah, yeah. Like, there's only one world like, right, like, right. like one world champ <laughs> right right exactly. like you know you you know because and you just realize like all these guys get sanctioning fees for every time that these guys have to defend those titles yeah and yeah. so the business of it was like it just got confusing you're like man i can't even who the heck is the top of you know the top guy here yeah, i don't yeah. know and you know the last time that it, that you and i talked to each other 
the MMA hadn't really blown up yet. Right, <coughs> right. So now it has. And, and uh, at least with MMA, kind of like, you know, with UFC, I know there's other ones, but I mean, I think UFC is probably considered like, that's it. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of know who's the top. Sure. You know, and the, the guy's going to fight who's he's supposed to be fighting. So mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you been, um, politics-wise, I mean, what do you think, I mean, uh, when we – I mean, you know, in 2002, when we last met, there was uh, George W. Bush, right. who I thought, you know, <laughs> was like, it can't get any worse than Bush, right? She's like, whoops, you know. It's like nostalgia now. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Trump is like, hold my, hold oh my beer. Oh, my God. So like, what, do you, what do you wow. think about what's going on with uh, just impeachment and uh, just the border stuff? I mean. Oh, sure. Um, well, I mean, you know, I always think, well, I'm, I'm, I'd always say I'm probably more Democrat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm from San Francisco, but I mean, you know, I think like to think I'm more moderate. And I mean, the one benefit of, of working in the hospital and years of working with other people is, you know, I get to work with people of all, yeah, you know, socioeconomic, you know, mm-hmm. people on Medi-Cal, people homeless, <coughs> people who are rich, people who are part owners of the Giants. You know, I, I get people from I've had people from Fresno, from Northern Cal. So, you know, people are Republican, Democrat, mm-hmm. and most people are decent. And, you know, sure. when you talk to people and, you know, from from the nuance over there, I always think, you know, I mean, this, I mean, you, you know, I would never call the guy a complete idiot. I mean, he's an idiot. Well, you, on, can't, you can't on be a multi-billionaire and be well, a complete you know, I mean, No, no. But yeah. I mean, he's a. Uh, Obviously, the way he can manipulate people is just amazing. Yeah. And and the way he can turn turn something that should be a negative into a positive for himself is just amazing. Yeah. And, I mean, it's like the thing he does is it's like, wow, it's like he'll take something, mm-hmm. and he just knows how to rile up the other side. Yeah. And, I mean, I think there's a certain amount of, like, if, if Democrats or, or people who identify as more liberal could basically just sort of blow them off, they would actually have more power. <coughs> You yeah. know, so so the thing is, is like with the impeachment, what he's done is, yeah, man, this is like totally impeachable. This is like should be impeachable because mm-hmm. like you shouldn't do that. Yeah. But unfortunately, the way he's framed it, and there is a certain amount of it is true, is that the Democrats, since before he's even been in office, mm-hmm. have been kind of after him. Yeah. Now, the fact is, is like, you know, they kind of recognize like this yeah. guy shouldn't be here. Yeah. And but the, it makes it look partisan. Okay, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, yeah. I mean, the whole, you know, Mueller investigation, sure. which was like, you know, I'm looking at the Mueller thing, and it's like no party's actually bringing up the main point of this. It's like, first of all, I mean, and you're, you know, working for the DA, you know, if if the evidence is not there, you can't make it stick. And that, that should be for everybody. And, yeah. it's, and it's the thing is sort of you say, like, well, if it's like, well, yeah, obviously there's interference here, but, like, can we basically – 100% save with this? No, we're not going to win this thing. Yeah. You know, but like, yeah, it looks bad. But we, but that <coughs> doesn't mean we can go and do that. Right, right. And yeah, and I think it's unfortunate. I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, the Democrats wanted Mueller to present the proverbial steak right. on the pan. And he's like, hey, listen, that's not my job. If I don't see anything blatant, then right. I can only do my job and I have to be as nonpartisan as possible. Right. I mean, he sent little signals, but he was uh-huh. like, listen, you gonna, guys going to have to do further. Like right. the actual, you know, this stage of the impeachment, and it reminds me so much of Kenneth Starr, uh-huh. who did the opposite. He sort of, you know, was trying to find uh-huh. things right. like, uh, you know, Paula Jones, you know, had a case against Clinton, and right. they stumbled upon a plum, which was Monica Lewinsky. Those, that was the evidence right. that they didn't expect to have. Um, you don't necessarily – I mean, well, you have tons of stuff here. Mm-hmm. 
but now you've got the investigative process. It's almost like a, um, an evidentiary hearing. You know, you have a hearing where you say, hey, this is the evidence. What do you think goes in? What evidence works? What evidence doesn't right. work? Um, but I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of partisanship. And unlike Nixon, right. you have a Republican Party that is total lock and step uh-huh. for Trump. Sure. Trina, you can come in if you want. I mean, do you have any thoughts at all uh, about what's going on, or are you optimistic about 2020, or any thoughts at all? <laughs> no, I, I leave that to uh, Brian. This is my, my repository of all news and information. Okay. Are well, I can at least ask you, were you surprised when Trump was elected in 20, 2016? I was surprised. You can bring yeah, the mic closer. Sorry. Yeah, I was, I was surprised. Ah, yeah. yeah. And it, it, I don't know if it's so much surprise as just thinking – it, what's, what was that? It's uh, horror. It can't happen here. Yeah, that was terrible. So I want a Berkeley rep and seeing that, that yeah. play. And then actually having it happen, you're like, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I remember I was in, I took a, so I'm, I've gone into playwriting since uh, I'm, I'm on, I migrated from um, stage managing to acting to now I've written uh, two plays and I'm doing all sorts of readings and that's you know pushing cool. things. So that's sort of what I've been doing. So I was in the Playwrights um, Playwrights Found uh, is it Playwrights Foundation? No, the Berkeley Rep. I was at the Berkeley Rep uh, uh, playwriting class the day the day that the election hit, and I'm looking at my uh, my cell phone. And I'm telling people, oh, don't worry about it. You know, Trump has to lead right now, but <laughs> Hillary will. You know, that, those are just the red states, and they're they're you know. There's, there's, you know, there's such a small population that those are the early results. You know, things will roll back up, and it never happened, and it never happened. And all of a sudden, you have the bigger states, you know, these swing states fall for Trump, and I'm like, oh my god, um, I, the misogyny. I, that's just how mm-hmm. I. I think misogyny is just off the hook. I had no idea that we were so that we have, we are so repulsed by having a female president. I mean, yep. <laughs> Hillary is moderate, and, and you know, Hillary. I mean. I can't say she's a saint, but I don't think she's as bad as a lot of Republicans say. And now, you know, Kamala Harris has just had, you know, a Stafford leave, and she's not getting the the donations that she's getting. So, you know, at first, you know, she had a very good launch, and now, you know, she's sort of fallen off. And now Biden is sort of the de facto, you know, front runner. And uh, y- you sort of get the dog whistle, absolutely no women. No, you know, if, if you know, who, what better... What female, you know, is more qualified than than either Kamala or Elizabeth Warren or Hillary or, uh, you know? No, it's uh, I mean that that that's sort of a lot of the takeaway. Yeah. Is that like wow, they just you know the idea of a woman, you know, I think that when it comes to twenty twenty, mm-hmm. um, and and I think you know people in in the Bay Area they're in their you know we're in a bubble here. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, right. If you kind of travel around, you kind of realize, like, you can't, first of all, you can't label everybody. Right. Uh, because, like, and calling people names doesn't win, doesn't win you to exa- people to your exactly side. Right. Yeah. You know, you have to appeal to the hearts of people. And, you know, there's a number of people in those swing states. You're like, you know, yeah. there's certain states you're probably not going to win. You're like, you ain't going to win Oklahoma. Sorry. <laughs> you know, Democrats, <laughs> right. you ain't going to win Oklahoma. You <laughs> right, might win exactly. Texas because people actually, Texas is probably turning – a little bit more blue. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, a lot but of folks in California moving to Texas yeah. because it's cheaper. Exactly. Yeah. So, but like, you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota, you have to realize like a lot of people, and I, I've drove through some of these places, mm-hmm. felt left out. Like, you know, you go on the coast and like the economy's booming. It's great. Look at all these tech jobs. Meanwhile, on the Rust Belt, people lost their jobs. Yep. And you yep. feel like, you know, uh, 
like it or not, like there's people they're they're doing well now mm-hmm. in these in these places. But you got to win them over. And you know, they, these people you could probably talk to and be like, "What do you think of Trump? Personally, he's a scumbag." But hey, man, I'm like making money and feeding my family. Yeah. So you need to be basically respect the fact of uh, you know, and win these people back. They're there. You can win them back. As basically, mm-hmm. you know, to to kind of get them back over there. You know, talk about like pro labor. You mm-hmm. know, labor rights, living wage. You know, I I feel that there's always a disconnect. Um, you know, there's a disconnect in the Bay Area. There's a lot of people pat pat themselves on the back, like, look at how liberal I am. But like, yeah. oh, but you're taking an Uber. Like, how much is that guy <coughs> making? Right, you know, exactly. Over yeah. there, he's making like five dollars an hour, dude. You're exploiting him. Exactly. Well, taxes are expensive because they have like unions. Things. Well, they have unions, or they regulated. actually regulate and you make sure that they haven't been driving for like fifteen hours and their cars inspected and their brakes are up to date. Yeah. And they're making enough money to pay for their freaking like kids' school. Like. Yeah. I, I, you know what? So it costs you a little bit more. Right. Like really? Yeah. Like you're you're. You're, you're pissed off because you've got to pay for somebody <laughs> to basically, like, have a living wage. Yeah. I mean, that's ridiculous. Or all of these, uh, you know, you have these app-based uh, social services like mm-hmm. Soothe, you know, the Massage yeah. and uh, DoorDash. Uh-huh. These are all people who are working minimum wage. And if they got a decent amount of pay, right. then you'd be paying more. Uh-huh. And then you wouldn't be <laughs> doing the Uber, Lyft, you know, whatever it is. Right. I mean, and you go to a place like New Zealand or Australia, and it's like their minimum wage is higher. And I'm sure they have social problems, too. But mm-hmm. it seems like there's a... It seems, at least on the surface, that there's more equitable. Yeah. You don't have the, the extreme wealth, the extreme poverty mm-hmm. that, you know, basically there's still respect for the fact that people can go and, like, have, mm. you know, have money and you pay a little bit more. Yeah. But people get, you know, pay, pay, people can live. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's better. Yeah, no, no, I totally agree. You know, the, the mother of all ironies is that, you know, the folks in the Midwest who just want a decent wage. Mm-hmm. They're putting their hopes on someone who has been a multimillionaire, oh, yeah. and, and it's like, wait a minute, you think this person understands your values? He never has before. Right. But, you know, I, I do understand, you know, there are – I have friends who are Republican, and there's some Republican who are moderate Republican, like I think of uh, – they used to be what they called the Rockefeller Republicans, mm-hmm. who were not racist, were not sexist, were not misogynist. Maybe they were a little misogynist, but they just cared about the money. They uh-huh. cared about fiscal responsibility. And it didn't divulge into, you know, the mm-hmm. extremes that we see in the far right. I mean, I remember going to Berkeley. I went to see a biography on um, James Baldwin. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a, a protest by the alt-right. And I was like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, this is happening in Berkeley? You know, uh, so a lot of folks who, uh, you know, very extreme racist right. views are coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, and no, they feel emboldened. You know, yeah. it's just amazing that people do feel like, you know, like somehow and, – and, of course, it comes to the president because he won't basically call them out by name. Right. You yeah. won't go and say like, you know, like George W. Bush would, like, you know, I do not want the vote of white supremacists. Right. They are not my people. I or do not I want these people going and saying they like me, they want me. Mm-hmm. I don't represent them. They have nothing to do with me. They don't represent my values. Right. Or the late, great John McCain when uh, during, I think it was 20, 2008, mm-hmm. one person's like, well, Obama is a Muslim or he's an right. Arab. And McCain was like, no, 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 no. We disagree on a lot of things, but he's a good, generally a good right. guy. Right. Of course, Sarah Palin was in the back just, <laughs> you know, like, you know yeah, man, how the hell, like, man, like, yeah, you, 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 you really? Yeah. You couldn't – Elizabeth Doe wasn't available? Like, bro, like, <laughs> right, really? Exactly. Why would you go for this person? Like, yeah, it's crazy. With that, let's get into an origin story. How did you um, 
now you've been involved in theater for uh, oh. a while prior to you. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. So you were born and raised here in the Bay? Oh, yeah. I'm from San Francisco. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Born and raised. Yeah. So you're not a transplant like most of us. No, no, no. I'm, I'm UC San Francisco. That's my where yeah. I'm from, out of Richmond District. That's, that's where I grew up. And, you know, I still have my roots over there. So yeah. yeah. I remember when I went to your house. I think it was your mom's house. Yeah, my mom's house over in does San Rafael. She, does she still have it? Yeah, she still has and it. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, at this point, like, you you, you know, you, you know, lucky to have it, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, nowadays, you know, who knows how much, you know, like, trying to buy anything in the Bay Area would be crazy, so. Yeah, no, nah, a friend of mine was watching The Last Black Man in San Francisco. That's a great movie. It's a fantastic movie. a fantastic movie. movie. Yeah. Amazing. And not just about race, but also just about property. You exactly, know. about displacement. That's how I felt, like, uh, mm-hmm. I think anybody from San Francisco or the Bay Area can really kind of identify with that, is that, that, I, that sense of displacement and being put out of like some place where you grew up you lived you you, mm-hmm. you have roots here and then you get priced out or something happens and right. then you're like and you see all these people who are not from there who don't have the same connection and the same love That's and who exactly can just right. walk away from it and it's like no if you're from here and mm-hmm. this is where you're from it, it, it is so much more difficult to just walk away from from, mm-hmm. from this absolutely you know I, I grew up in Washington DC and there's a house 621 Upshur Street, and every time I visit, I mean, we've we've sold the house, and it belongs to you know. There's a, you know, I, uh, you know, the whole community there within the Petworth District in D.C. It reminds me a lot of, um, I would say, Berkeley, but um, we know it's actually one of these areas where it was black, and now it's turned totally white. Yeah. And there's a new couple there, and I'm sure they're wonderful. Uh-huh. But I sort of miss just going home, and uh, it's, it's just isn't home right. anymore. So you're very lucky that your mom is – is your mom still around? Yes, yes. I'm, I am very lucky. Is yeah. your mom? Me? No, she died in 2006. Oh, I'm sorry about that. It's I okay. I think I remember you were, we <laughs> talked about your mom before. Yeah, yeah, 2002. Yeah. That was uh, – it was very – up. as a matter of fact, you're absolutely right because she had lived with me yeah. during that time. Yeah, well, we can talk about that a little bit later. Okay. <laughs> but, but in any case, are, do you have any siblings, or are you an only? No, child? I'm only. only yeah, child. I, I grew up as an only child, uh, but now yeah. I'm the oldest of four. So, okay, we have we have that in common. Dad remarried. <coughs> oh, okay. Well, but that's that's cool. <laughs> you got like siblings. That's great. Right. Exactly. So, uh, were you involved in theater when you were a kid? I mean, did you? No, I, you know, you know, it's funny how I got involved in it. How? So, uh, I, you know, what happened was, you know, I've, I've always been. My family has always, you know, really been big on education. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, it was like, you're going to college. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. you know, which is good. I mean, you know, I think that's good. But, you know, it was also kind of the idea of like, well, you should know what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, as opposed to like, you know, kind of like, well, you don't have to know what you need to do because, you know, you know, your late teens, 20s, you don't have to know. Mm-hmm. We have that luxury in this country. Uh, but, you know, I kind of felt like, oh, man, I have to know what I'm doing. And, and I really was – in high school, I got really into silent films. Ah, uh-huh, yeah. So I got really into it. I got really into Lon Chaney specifically. Like, I was really fascinated with – Senior, junior. Senior. Okay. Junior. Like, <laughs> ah, yeah. senior, like man of a thousand faces. Sure. Uh, there's probably a lot of misinformation, but just like the fact that the man was a chameleon, like, mm-hmm. you know, and he's – I just thought he was so freaking amazing. And, and so, like, I, I was like, I'm going to be a makeup artist. <laughs> is that right? So okay. that's what got me into theater. I didn't act. I didn't do anything. And so, like, I, I came in as a theater major. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I ever did any makeup particularly. Okay. But, you know, I started out there and, you know, started acting and started stage managing in school. Started, mm. you know, 
directing and yeah, that's kind of what got me into it. Were you the class clown? I mean, did you? Um I would like to say I was a class <laughs> clown, but I think I was a well-behaved child. Okay. Everybody was like, "Man, you must have been been pretty funny in school." I'm like, I, you know, like I, I was probably funny, but I, I was. I, I always think like in some ways I was kind of born at the wrong time because I I was the guy reading the comic books, drawing my comic books, mm-hmm. or. You know, hanging out with the the, 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 the guys who were talking Star Trek or the chess club yeah, and yeah, lunch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it was kind of like, no, you were just considered a nerd and a dork. And it wasn't cool. Like, you know, mm-hmm. having somebody call you a nerd was not a compliment. Sure. Like back back in, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, like, no, dude, that's, that's the kiss of death. <laughs> yeah. Like for your social life in high school. And now it's like, you know, that culture, like, you know, being cosplay and – that's it's right. cool now. Like, everybody's, oh, man, yeah, the Avengers. Like, I love those Marvel movies. Like, I know. Back in the day, like, no, you were just considered a social pariah. Yeah. Like, you were not a desirable <laughs> person to be with. And now the girls are into it. Yeah, And you're yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. my God, man, I'd have been <laughs> so much better in high school. Yeah, you and I grew up at around the same time. Right. You're absolutely you're right. like, dude, you're just a dork, man. Like, you're into that. <laughs> like, and once in a while, you'd meet a guy who was, like, in high school Who's like, yeah, man, I'm kind of into the comics, too. But, mm-hmm. like, they weren't talking about it particularly yeah. like, wow, that's amazing. This guy's actually socially relevant here. Were you, were you into Mad Magazine or Cracked or anything like that? I like Mad. I, I didn't read yeah. it. Like, <laughs> I know it. they just ended it, didn't they? Yeah, I know. It's sad. I think William Gaines is probably dead. He's yeah. the one who created it. Yeah, yeah. All those yeah, things sad. are done. Like, yeah. all print is kind of done, which is sort of sad. Yeah. Like, even, like, I, I Tracy, do you know anything about Mad or Cracked Magazine? I, I, yeah, I was a regular Mad reader. You were. Yeah, when I was in I'm shocked. <laughs> I thought there was just dorky boys who wrote it, uh, read it, but you know. <laughs> yeah, Mort Drucker and Sergio Argamos and uh, all of the uh, the parodies. I didn't get a lot of the jokes; just went over my head. Right, right. But uh, I got I got a lot of that. So, um, d- did you go to college for theater? I did. Okay. Yeah, I, I theater major at Sonoma State. Right on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I graduated Sonoma State. And then, okay. You know, then I, you know, then I, then I totally, and actually, it really helped me. Uh, I, the theater background really helped me with my profession. I think, mm-hmm. uh, being an occupational therapist, uh, as far as just being able to relate, but just even thinking how I do would do therapy. Sure. Would be much different than a lot of people. Much mm-hmm. more straightforward. You know, a lot, a lot of people I think would just kind of almost like, you put the square block here you put the circle there and sure. it's like the way i look at things would be much different or much more like let's make this engaging yeah in a way and then a- apply it to actual like a real life situation so yeah. i've always felt like you know being a theater background has been huge well one of the cool things about theater and norman and i we talk about it especially because we have a lot of folks who not only do theater but they also teach kids or like in Norman, you would each one reach one. He goes into the uh, the juvenile facilities oh, wow. and teach you know kids who are incarcerated. But you get to put yourself in the other person's foot, right. let's say a character, mm-hmm. and also let's say in occupational therapy, if they if someone feels oh I can't do this, mm-hmm. I can't you know I can't be normal or something, you could say no no no, put yourself in you know someone right. else's foot or you know try this or that, almost like theater games. Yeah yeah no it's exactly you know that's kind of that application over there where you really do kind of feel. That, uh, yeah, you can, you know, that as far as, like, you're building somebody up. And you yeah. kind of look at it, you know, just building somebody up is almost like a rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you kind of look at it like, yeah, first day of rehearsal, nobody knows their lines. Nobody knows anything. That's exactly you right. You know, and then, you know, by the time you're done, you know, you have this finished product. Mm-hmm. And, of course, theater was always great because, as you say, you, you, you know, it is like bringing so many different elements 
the acting, the directing, the lighting design, everything is, is comes over and everybody contributes over there and then you do have this real product mm-hmm. at the end. And yeah. I mean, I guess it's like gardening at this point. You know, it's like there, it blooms and then, mm-hmm. you know, then it's done. Yeah. But then, of course, you know, then you move on to the next project. And right. And it's like, you know, a whole different set of people or a whole, pe- you know, people you've worked with in the past and it's like, it, it's... You know, it really is cool. I yeah. mean, as you say, you know, it's really – it is a, a wonderful thing to be involved in. Here's a quick question for you, and, and I've asked everybody this who's went to school. Techniques, did you learn, like, let's say the Meisner technique or Stella Adler or Stanislavski or anything like that? I think the Stanislavski or uh, – what is it? Was it Grabowski? Kind of like there was more of that sort of mm-hmm. – kind of uh, the Eastern European – yeah, almost, almost pre-method acting type. type oh, stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, was uh, was sort of our 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 our, uh, our way of doing it. I guess Stella Adler's a method. Yeah, but Stella Adler was a protege. Thankfully, of we don't have too much. <laughs> thankfully, people weren't going too far into that that, yeah. that method acting kind of stuff. I think my favorite story is Lawrence Olivier. Yeah. With Lawrence, I don't think Lawrence Olivier was a method actor at all. Have you heard the story with him and Dustin Hoffman? Uh, I have, but go ahead and say it. Oh, you know, just the fact that Hoffman was, you know, preparing for his torture scene in Marathon Man, and I think was up for 48 hours, wasn't eating, just really trying to get that sort of feeling of being tortured and actually passed out on set. <laughs> and so Lawrence Olivier looked at him and said, why don't you try acting, young man? <laughs> Like right, exactly. Just amazing. Or, like, people be like, Sir Lawrence, like, you know, when you cry on stage, it's so effective. Like, how do you do it? What are you doing to get that, that depth? <laughs> I'd like to think of a moose, like, having its tongue stuck on a salt lick. <laughs> that sound <laughs> it makes. Like, that's like, wow. That's that's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, as you say, there's just like in any problem, there's multiple ways to get to the solution. Sure, sure. You know, you have some actors like, you know, people think about Heath Ledger or Robert De Niro. It's like, I've got to gain 400 pounds. Or, right. or Christian Bale. Christian famous for Bale. <laughs> like the machinist. You're like, that's just dangerous, friend. Yeah, exactly. Or Dick Cheney, you know, putting on the weight. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there's some folks who are like, in order for me to get into the role, I have to be as much a part of the character as absolutely possible. And then there's some folks who are like, look, let me just learn my lines or whatever yeah. and do whatever the director tells me to do. And if the audience claps, that's fine. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think, you know, it, as they say, I guess everybody's sort of different as far as that goes. And, I mm-hmm. mean, I, everybody's technique, I would assume, is, the, you know, with acting, the more you do it, the more you learn, the more you get. Yeah. Kind of figure out what, what works for you and stuff sure. like that. I, I'm certainly, as, 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 you know, in my early, I think I probably was probably a lot lazier, you know, as far as, like, doing things, you know, in, in my, early, you know, late teens, early 20s when I was, was in school. Mm-hmm. Of course, because, you know, when you're, I don't know about, about you, but, like, when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I was still being heavily supported by my parents. Oh, <laughs> oh sure. So, like, yeah. you know, like, cutting class wasn't a big deal. Like, you know, when I went back to graduate school and I had student loans, I'm like, I ain't, I ain't cutting any damn class. You know, I don't mm-hmm. care how crappy it is. I'm going to sit through here. I'm paying for it. So. What, what did you study in grad school? Uh, occupational therapy. Oh, okay. Got it. Got yeah. it. I understand. What was your first role? I mean, what was, what was the first time you walked on stage? Oh, you know what? The first time I did, I don't, I had no intention of being an actor. I don't even remember the play. It was like um, for the directing class. Okay. You know, they directed one one act plays, and so um, yeah, it was a one act play, and and you know, I decided to go out for it because I'm a theater major and I, I probably should know what it's like to act. Mm-hmm. 
and you know, I, I don't even remember what it was. I think I played the Bat Boy or something. It okay. wasn't. I wasn't the lead. I mean, okay. I, pl- I pay- played like the Bat Boy. Or, gosh darn it, Jimmy, <laughs> you're the best ever. No. But I think it was like a local playwright. It uh-huh. wasn't even. It wasn't any kind of established play. And you know, I was nervous as hell. It was uh-huh. a black box theater, and I was just really scared. And then. And then my next role was actually on the main stage, and, and it was like Diary of Anne Frank. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, it was like, and, and I think the director specifically wanted me. He's like, go out for it. I was like, all right, okay. And then yeah. I got casted. Now, that's, that's a serious piece. Yeah, no, I mean, and that was sort of like the what, what kind of got me into it. Yeah. You know, it was like the first, you know, big thing I did. and yeah. Mm-hmm. You know the Anne Frank story? Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, now in the Bay, I mean, uh, did you? Um, of course, you auditioned for it or mm-hmm. roles or what? Were you part of a company? Theater rhubarb. Mostly. Theater rhubarb. Yeah, with with, with uh, Brant. With Brant and Ray. Yeah, okay. that's how we all kind of. And that was kind of funny. I stumbled into that too. Okay. You know, after uh, graduating, mm-hmm. that that uh, my friend Lillian, who's an actor, auditioned for them. She couldn't do it. They were looking for actors, and she she gave me their info, and I, I was like, all right. You know, and then I met up with with Mark Nishimura, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we hit it off, and I, I I was cast there, exit theater. Okay. Yeah. And wow. Then, the you exit. Know, that was yeah. That was that was it, and they were they were around for like probably about five or six years. Okay. They kind of worked, to, you know, did their thing, and you know, and so I was heavily involved with them, and that's how I got connected with Ray, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Brant, all those guys. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as you say, it was like a family. I mean, yeah. it was like we were our own acting troupe. Yeah, we have. I had Brant on. Uh, there's another podcast that I have. I'm an American too, which talks about. I interview people who are not born in America to get their views on okay. American life. And Brant's wife, Joanna mm-hmm. Lorenzano, uh, Filipinos. Matter of fact, she was involved in theater rhubarb for a little bit, I think. Um, but in any case, Brant was on as well, and he talked uh-huh. a little bit about rhubarb. I guess that was around in the early 90s, mid-90s? It was like late 90s to early 2000s. Okay. So we put the, the first show was 96, and, and it was interesting because, you know, that was really right before the first tech boom. Yeah, that's right. So that was really kind of like the, that you, we actually could see the city transform Wow. at that point. Yeah. So, you know, at the point – at that point – you know, you go downtown San Francisco, you mm-hmm. still had rehearsal spaces. Yeah. Like, we were still, like, able to go to these rehearsal spaces, like, in buildings right across the street from, like, the current theater. Mm-hmm. There was a, a, a building there and, and probably with low-rent offices. And and then up the street, I don't I don't even remember what the name of that space was, but they had a theater there. And uh, it was right there on, uh, on, on uh, you know, I, I forget, like, up there on Sutter – you know, on this corner building, old building, and had a lot, a lot of rehearsal spaces and theater yeah. spaces. Well, I remember the Phoenix. Uh, the Phoenix used to be on Geary Street before yeah. it moved. It was a basement black box theater, yeah. and then it moved to Mason. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny because I, although I lived in D.C., I came to San Francisco for the first time in 1995, mm-hmm. and there was such a vibrancy of uh, – it was still almost hippie-like. I mean, yeah. you know, like I went to, like, the Powell Bart, and, yeah. you know, there's a – a dude, a homeless guy, you know, doing a little. Um, I think he had like a band, mm-hmm. and there were people just people surrounding him. Yeah. And I was like, "Wow, what a great environment!" Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, it's it's completely different. Yeah, now. I mean, you still had artists. I mean, yeah. it was still kind of like you know, there was still artists. There was still places to rent. Mm-hmm. You know, the Mission District was still a lot of artists. A lot of people basically coming together as a group, renting a flat. Yeah, everybody had a room. 
it wasn't like, you know, the living room. Like, no, no, everybody had their own room. And right. we had the common living area. Like, mm-hmm. the common living area was still a common living area. Yeah. It I wasn't I subdivided. People could still work jobs. Like, you were mm-hmm. like, dude, you're making $10 an hour. Dude, you're living high off the hog, man. I know. Ten dollars an hour in the city, man. You got money and time. That's I had a one, I had a one bedroom apartment in Piedmont, and it was six fifty. Yeah. That was my first uh, rent, and of course, those days are long gone. Mm-hmm. You, you mentioned the mid nineties and uh, the tech boom. Yeah. I remember. Uh, I keep telling you know the the people who can't remember, like you know my, I have my brother and sister who are like there's like a sixteen year difference between us, and I'm like, going online. I mean, you have to go AOL and. <laughs> You know, even when I first worked at the DA's office, people were bringing in their modems and attaching them, you know. <laughs> so, and, of course, it was $9 an hour yeah, uh, yeah. back in the day. They'd give you the CD, like, 10 hours free. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, you know, like, dial-up, man. It's like loading that freaking web, web page was, like, taking, like, like seven minutes, dude. Like, right. God forbid you click onto something else. Like, you know, you like the concept of the web. So, like, where does it end? Like, it doesn't end. It's web. It just keeps going. You know, you click right. on this and that. Like, no, man, there's, like, an end, isn't there? Like, there's a finite <laughs> amount of this. No one pages. no one knew. No one understood. And, uh, you know, and, of course, everyone just thought, well, American Online, that is the web. Well, no, not really. There's something else. Right. And uh, it was, it was crazy. And uh, but it was interesting. And yeah, it was right before you know the the bubble, and of course the two thousands, and yep. Ethernet ports, and Napster. You know, Napster. Oh goodness, <laughs> like Napster. Yeah, I loved I love <laughs> Napster. <laughs> I, actually, you know what? That's interesting. There was a book I read. So I was like ten years old, called Appetite for Self Destruction, about the music industry. Oh yes. And what's always interesting to me is like you know once again everybody talks about like oh I'm for the underdog. I'm like. You know, here we had the the, 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 just imagine this industry, these arrogant bastards, mm-hmm. you know, basically you like that one song from Chamunga Wanga, mm-hmm. what I get knocked down, whatever. Yeah. Like the rest of the album sucks, you know. And but they, you had to they, buy the whole thing. You had to buy the whole thing because yeah. they eliminated the maxi <laughs> single. Right. And this was the whole thing of Napster. <laughs> it's like, dude, I spent $18 on this. Freaking album. Exactly. And it's like I wanted the one song and the rest of the album stinks. Like yeah. there's not one song on here. <laughs> And so you're like, and then Napster comes, and you're like, wait a second, dude. So, like, I can just get the song I want for nothing. Right. Yep. You can just take – I just can get the one song. Okay, cool, man. Yeah. And then, like, these these, these people in the music industry, because they shot themselves in the foot. Right. Basically, you know, kind of ruined it for themselves. Well, yeah, they tried to sue the very customers that, you know, that right. were their fans. And then the like next the thing you know, yeah. they go and, like, you know, then they, you know, Apple – has the iTunes thing, and you yeah. know they charge a reasonable rate, ninety nine cents sure. or a dollar fifty, right? And you're like, yeah, dude, that's cool, dude. Yeah, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll pay freaking like two bucks for like this song. I love that song. Yeah, dude. I'll pay. That's totally worth. It's a cup of coffee, man. Yeah, and I, I love telling the story. So uh, you probably remember when Virgin Records took up an entire building oh, yeah. on like Fifth and Market. Oh yeah, it was a big deal when it opened yeah. up. Yeah, and um, so I'm anyone who knows me knows that I love uh, obscure seventies um, songs, like okay. like my intro music. You know, I had a contest who can learn, who can figure it out, and only one person did after like two years. Uh, and I, so I go in to Virgin Records because there's a guy named Jay Blackfoot who did a song called Taxi, and it was a big hit in Washington D.C. and of course D.C. WHUR. It was a you know independent radio, Howard University radio, and it just does black soul. And, of course, and you really realize how segregated the radio industry was back in the day. It's like when I came out of college, I thought the Stairway to Heaven was a song by the OJs. Okay. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. There's another Stairway to Heaven that's even more famous (laughs) by Led Zeppelin. Okay. 
And then you realize. So in any case, I go into Sam Goody. I go into uh, Virgin, and I'm like, well, I'm looking for uh, Jay Blackfoot. And they're like, no, 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 no. We've got Britney Spears. Yeah. We've got Nirvana. We've got the big names. Or whatever. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, for God's sake. Napster comes in. I'm like, okay, I find that one song. Boom, that's it. And, uh, and that was fantastic. Yeah. And then, of course, when Napster hits, I swear, it, it's almost like seeing overnight Virgin Records was gone. Yeah. That building was just barren. Yeah. Who, knew, who knew that the uh, the margin – their margin was so tight yeah. that they needed, you know, to get that revenue. Yeah, no, it's and amazing. It was gone. Yeah. You know, that's funny you said that because it makes me think. The, the with uh, I have a thing with the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. So when I was a kid, the first movie of, uh, was The Wiz. Oh yeah, I saw The Wiz. He's on down. He's on down the road. Right. Oh, yeah. I saw The Wiz, and then I see The Wizard of Oz later. I'm all like, dude, there's a version with white people. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. It's the same story, man. Wow. I know. I, like, I, like, I thought Nipsey Repsol was the, was I know. the tin man. I know. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing how um, just, just you know, we can do a whole thing on music where um, if you're in a particular area, if you're not listening to, let's say, white radio, I didn't had yeah. no idea what right radio was. I had no idea what punk was yeah. or, you know, new wave until I left to go to NYU. And then I have roommates who are like, I'm listening to The Cure. I'm like, what is The Cure? <laughs> but you know what's interesting? You say that because, like, you know, like, I think, like, the radio has become, like, corporate. Like, yeah. it's all from one, it's all the same program, the same garbage. Sure. And I'm always amazed because I'm like, you know, you, like, go to the coffee shop and you hear a song. You're like, that's pretty good, dude. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you don't hear it on the radio. So, like, obviously there's good stuff being produced. Yeah. And it's like, even as you were saying, like, when I was, um, you know, growing up in the Bay Area, like, I think KMEL, they would play stuff from local guys, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, who the hell, no, the disc, you know, the guys, the disc jockeys don't have the same control. Yeah, yeah, know? exactly. And it's kind of like, that sucks, man. So, you know, they got to play the same garbage. You can't call up your radio station and be like, hey, man, just really want to <laughs> hear, like, this song. And it's like, no, no, that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, it's, it's sad. And I want to bring you in. Um, what 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 radio were you listening to? Are you a native of the Bay as well? I am. Okay. I am. And I was just I was just thinking when he was mentioning that you know, there was a point where your the listeners were basically kind of choosing what would what you hear on the radio. Yeah, that's right. But now it almost feels like you're being marketed to. Yeah. So you know, which you don't go to the radio to find mm-hmm. something new and exciting to listen to. Right. You dig through the internet. You you know. Right, exactly. It's all about the clicks and and also the concept of paying a monthly fee. I mean, you know, back in the day, paying a monthly fee that was only utilities. Mm-hmm. You only paid for you know your car note or and your mortgage or your rent, and electric electric bill or whatever. Now, you know, there are folks who are paying for you know, of course, the internet, and then there's your um, I don't know, a YouTube descri- uh, subscription. Mm-hmm. You know, there are all these subscription models mm-hmm. and stuff, and. I really don't. I, I like to own things. I like to own my music. I like to own I'm my... I'm exactly the same. Yeah. That's why, like, with music, I, 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 that was the thing I was getting to was the streaming. Yeah. Like, you know, we had the we had these guys in the corner. Yeah. We had them. You owned it. You could go and own it. You could really stick it to them. That's right. And then it's like, next thing you know, it's streaming. Wait mm-hmm. a second. Like, if it's streaming, I don't own it. Exactly. Like, oh, well, you know, it's over here. Like, you know, you can stream that movie. No, I'd want a copy of the movie because, like, God forbid, like, you know, it's like apocalyptic. I want to watch my copy of Casablanca. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I, I just like I, – I, I like the, the tangible, too. Yeah, like, yeah. I want to have that. I want to own it. I want the option. Yeah. Cause I'm, and, and the thing is what I think is always scary is it comes back to, to reading. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you can't control a book. Yeah. You can't control if I – pay cash for a book 
you don't know what I'm doing, what I'm reading, what my ideas are. Right. When when you have somebody controls the means of distribution, like it's a digital copy, that means they can edit it. They mm -hmm. can take things out. They can change words. Like yeah. that's yeah. how dangerous this idea of non, yeah. you know, tangible yeah. is. But we're the old stogies. I mean, we're the ones. I mean, you know, now these folks like uh, Apple and uh, all of these online. You know, they, they market to the youth, and the I youth know. have no problem. They don't own their games. It's at yep. streaming. They don't own their music. They don't own their television stuff. They don't own anything. And also this distribution. I mean, what do you think about the whole YouTube revolution? I mean, even as, as actors and creatives, you know, folks are putting out YouTube videos and making – I mean, there are 16-year-olds making money doing YouTube videos of doing their hair. <laughs> It's uh, well. Uh, first of all, I, I don't quite understand it, but I always like to think of it as, as we are in the era, the age of the amateur. Mm -hmm. And Bertolt Brecht actually went and addressed this. Now there you go. Bertolt Brecht would talk. Well, Bertolt Brecht talked about a lot of things, but mm -hmm. Bertolt Brecht uh, talked about why he liked the circus, and it's it comes back to the same thing, and it comes back to you know, I, and you can see it with musicians, but sure. Brecht would talk about like I like the tight. The tightrope walker mm -hmm. or the trapeze artist. Why? Because mm -hmm. an amateur can't do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, because you actually have to have a skill. Yes. You have to know what you're doing. You need to. Yes. You can't just go and, like, put a camera over there and videotape yourself and, like, now I'm a YouTube sensation. Right, right, you know, right, like exactly. It's not just, like, an amateur just can't go and do it. You have to have a real skill set. Yeah, there you go. And so, you know, like, and I love YouTube. I actually do. I like, you know, but, like, I'm like, when I watch YouTube, I'm like, I like YouTube. I, I like it, you know. Yeah. Well, you get everything on YouTube. I mean, you get the good stuff. You get the crap. <laughs> you get, you know, and you really have to. You are the filter. You yeah. have to figure out, you know, what I want to watch or what I want to don't what what I don't want to watch. And Norman and I, uh, the the co-host that I have, we always debate because I say, well. I'll prefer an actor to have some classes and to have oh, some training. Sure. And he's like, well, no, that's not necessary. You know, you can bring your life, life experiences in. I suppose it, it differs, but you can tell a, a true actor who uh -huh. has technique, and you can tell oh, who yeah. doesn't. Oh, yeah. I, well, you know, and, and reality TV is always interesting because, as you say, like, you know, you have to give credit where credit's due. Mm -hmm. Like, there's actors who try to have a reality show. Yeah. And you know what? Turns out you're not that interesting. <laughs> I mean, you're a good actor, yeah, yeah. but, like, personally, you're not that intriguing to watch. And then you watch somebody like the Kardashians. Yeah. I'll and you're like, that. Uh, you know, I'm not, not my thing. But, like, I guess, you know, there's something about what they do that makes them intriguing. It's kind of the old idea of, like, why you don't bring a animal onto the stage. <laughs> because inevitably, <laughs> the animal that. will always upstage <laughs> you because whatever they're doing in their natural state is so much more interesting yeah. to watch than what an actor is acting yeah. at doing. And ironically, the dog is not an actor. The dog is not trained right. yet. The dog is, is yeah. present <laughs> in the moment, and that's what is intriguing. Yeah. Is it, what is the dog up to? Right. What's he sniffing? <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, let's see what the dog is doing. Let's watch the dog up on yeah, stage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I, I remember being at, uh, at NYU, and uh, I guess there was an experimental theater group that was just mm. – they had this experiment of people just being on stage and just living, like, you know, cooking or being in the kitchen or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to be experimental theater. I'm like, okay, what are we watching? Is and uh -huh. but apparently, you know, there is that type of theater. And I think about the Kardashians. Like, yeah. okay, it's kind of like watching your next door neighbors have a fight. And yeah. you know, as a neighbor, you're like, uh oh, something's happening over there. <laughs> it becomes entertainment. I know. And, and as I said, I've never watched it, but I mean, I I guess we got to give credit. Like, you know, whatever they're they multi, do they're is multimillionaires. What, what can I say? What, however they act or acting or just being themselves is 
intriguing enough. Yeah. And Tracy, are you a uh, Kardashian fan? No, I've, <laughs> I've never seen it. Yeah, neither have I. I mean, I, I, I've never really watched it except when it's in a patient's room, and I'm like, why? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can enjoy someone else have not having a g- greater life than yours. Although, they, you know, there are multimillionaires. <laughs> so you did theater rhubarb. Did you do other things, other theater things? Yeah, I mean, do I, you know, I worked in Frost Valley Players. I did oh, a right show on. there, and uh, I worked with Ray outside. I worked with my friend Florentina, who's a professional actress from Romania. Mm-hmm. And and did some work over at Stanford, okay, and San Francisco State with her. Yeah, so you know I've done a few things. I mean I you didn't really do a lot of auditioning though. I have to say. Yeah, did you do uh, any film at all? A l- Even I student film. Little bit. You yeah. know the thing with filming, I, I guess you know like I remember like the sound guys would be like, "You're a stage actor." <laughs> yeah, they would I tell because the they'd be like, "Yeah, because you're projecting your voice. You're just <laughs> right. <laughs> you're used to basically." speaking in a certain way to kind of get it out there so. yeah yeah they would tell me to tone it down or they would say okay i want you to look at that spot and i'll be right. looking there and like no no no, it's got to be right there oh yeah and like they can follow your eyes you know the camera just captures everything uh, yeah the, it's always interesting because you say you're like acting to nothing mm-hmm. you know so you're not really going and getting anything from whatever that wall or you know you're you're kind of like as you say you're 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 worth you're used to working on a bigger scale being on sure, stage and sure. then not being a you know toning it down is like I, I, that's hard yeah yeah that's hard to kind of get things toned down mm-hmm. you know because I'm not used to toning it down when I'm up on stage sure sure what um how did I guess you know how did the light burn out I mean how did you what, what was it was it uh, theater was it the environment I mean were things changing was it was it financial why did you why did you leave I think it was probably you know. You know, I'd done it for an X amount of years, and then I kind of was like, you know, I just, I, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, I, 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 I think, you know, I was getting, you know, I'm, I'm getting towards my late 20s there, and it's like I'd already kind of, you know, missed out on, like, you know, family vacations and stuff like that. You know, there's a certain amount of time. And then yeah. also I, it was kind of the thing is, like, you know, I was working, you know, I still worked construction for a number of years after that, but, like, you know, I wasn't really satisfied sort of being a starving artist. And yeah. You know, I mean, you know, in the United States, it's sort of, you know, you're, you're so judged on, on who you are and, and, and what you do. And, sure. you know, being able to provide. And then Especially as men. As, yeah, yeah. As, as men. And I, and, and, I, and I already knew. I, I knew, um, like, I knew I wasn't going to commit to the level to be Broadway. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't be able to be song and dance. And, and that that's just like mm-hmm. you know like you you had to be able to do that like to make it at that level okay. and then and and i kind of knew if i ever did film i would be cast as a wacky neighbor mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like and in some ways you're like well you know what well, if they're paying you a million dollars an episode <laughs> like, <laughs> sure well, i guess i'm the wacky neighbor <laughs> yeah yeah like that's great but like i i kind of didn't sort of see myself doing an la thing i i'm uh, I, i'm Firmly San Francisco, not L.A. Yeah, I hear Even you. though I do like L.A. now. Like, I, I nev- like we went down to L.A. last year, and I was like, it's kind of fun, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, but for a long time, like, L.A., man, SoCal, no, that's yeah. not me. Yeah, no, I totally hear you. So you never had the bug of – have you ever done stand-up comedy? You know what? People ask me that. I'm funny in the moment. Stand-up is hard. 
It is I, very I, hard. You know, I worked. I did a master's degree in uh, theater actually at San Francisco State, and yeah. I was a student teacher in art of comedy. Oh wow! And I didn't and know that. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, doing comedy is is tough. Like you know, like when you're kind of riffing and. A mm -hmm. You know, it's it's improv. It can be funny, but like you you try making it's uh, you know you try going and boiling that down and getting your timing right and doing it in front of people. Yeah, that's difficult. And of course, if the crowd doesn't get it, I mean, uh, you hear comedians talk about dying on stage, and uh, and I imagine it's really really bad. Oh my God, it's a that's a long time to be up somewhere. <laughs> Yeah. In front of a dead audience. You know, and it's funny because it's like I would present. I actually, I, I, I did in a couple of years. I would do the Stroke Symposium mm -hmm. over at work. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and, and I, I, I like it. I, 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 I didn't have a problem speaking in front of the audience. And I would watch people. I'd watch the, the, the people in front of me. And yeah. you could just watch these nurses. Their eyes are rolling in their head. And it's just like, you know, they just didn't. They were they were they were lost, and then I'd get up there and I'd speak for a few minutes, pretty much off the cuff, and 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 they, they, you know I, I'd mess with them. I'd go right, you know, I'd look right at them. I would I would basically address them, and you know I'd make it funny, and, uh -huh. you know, Very good. Yeah. kind of stuff, and you know get them kind of involved and mm -hmm. talk about like you know I walk right up into you know like you know you could really go and like really you know go. And Get people to pay attention if you right, walk right up next to them and keep talking yeah. while they're on their phone. Like People are like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Before we're getting close to the one-hour mark. I was going to ask Tracy, how did, um, tell me a love story. How did the two of you meet? Oh, we met at a wedding. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, Brian had mentioned his friend, his uh, cousin, Camille. Mm -hmm. uh, Camille and I had a mutual friend who was getting married up in Portland. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I had worked with, with this friend and not too many of us from the Bay Area went uh -huh. out to Portland for the yeah. wedding. So uh, when I'm at the wedding, somehow all the everyone from the San Francisco Bay Area just coincidentally ended up at the same table. Mm. And um, Brian was there with Camille. He was Camille's plus one. Okay. So luckily for me, Camille was single at the time. Um, and can I tell my favorite story? Sure, please. Okay. So... <coughs> um, the first thing I'm noticing, so it's, it's a beautiful outdoor wedding. Yeah. Um, we're sitting on hay bales. It's July. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm sitting that's warm. Yeah. And if I you can bring Mike just a little bit closer, that's all. That's okay. So I hear uh, this girl behind me, and I had met her before. Yeah. Um, Bay Area girl. And she had this really loud kind of distinctive voice, and she's like, oh, wow, cool jeans. And I hear someone say, thanks, they're my dad. <laughs> and then I'm like, I gotta turn around and see who who the heck's wearing his dad's jeans to a wedding. <laughs> and I turn around and and there it's Brian. Yeah. And he's wearing these jeans that have this embroidery. They're slightly flared, like a bell bottom. Almost, okay. And they're got embroidery inside. They're like that dad's 1960s jeans. Okay. Okay. And then you know, fast forward. Um, we go up to the house after for the reception, mm -hmm. and around the backside of the house they have beer. Mm -hmm. All kinds of beer, and they're poured in these little mason jars for mm -hmm. you. So he go, he's back there, and I'm kind of making my way back there. And he comes around the corner, and he's got this mason jar of light beer. And somehow we kind of come face to face, and he like looks at me, mm -hmm. looks at the beer, and he's like, "It's not urine." <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh -huh. And then so I asked him about that later, like. After w once we had been dating, he's like, yeah, yeah, I work in a hospital. You know, the, the light-colored 
Yeah. No. <laughs> Liquid. It could I, be I, I, I deal with urinals, so I dump them. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. But it, but it must have made you smile. <laughs> it did. It did. Yeah. It's definitely unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny. So I, I, I'm i still doing online dating, and uh, the number one thing that women say, I, want, I need a man to make me funny. I'm like, oh, geez, I, <laughs> I'm going to have a hard time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but there you go. I mean, that's, that, you know, that's fantastic. And you had mentioned that. I don't know if it was off mic or whatever, but uh, that you th- look at him as like a Muppet. <laughs> I do. I uh-huh. do. I, I, I believe he is a Muppet who has somehow passed himself passed himself off as human. There you go. And is integrated somehow. Yeah. And, of course, we of the, our generation remember the Muppets. Oh, know. God, yeah. Yeah. The Muppet Show was amazing. Oh, the Muppet Show was just fantastic. Yeah, th- those were some wonderful, uh, wonderful times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like You remember, like, back the uh, – I think it was the same one that, you know, you get the Charlie Brown special. And it was oh, like, sure. you know, it was before, like, you know, recording. any no, you know. Yeah. You're we had three channels, and you got to get there right, right at 8 o'clock. Oh, yeah, you yeah. had to get there at 8 o'clock. <laughs> or, like, you know, like, you finally got the VCR. Like, everybody had to go out and, like, yeah. go to the video store. But, it, yeah. but you know, like, you'd be waiting all week for the Charlie Brown special. Sure, sure. And remember that, the, the spinning, the special. <laughs> they have that, that the beginning. The color graphic. The color graphic with the spinning the special. <laughs> You're like, yeah. yeah, like, the next hour is going to be awesome. We got freaking Charlie Brown Christmas special in the garbage. Yeah. Christmas special. It's like you feel like you're getting over on the man. It's like a Tuesday, yeah. and there's a freaking cartoon on TV. This right, is right, amazing. Exactly. You can you tell your parents, forget about it. We, we've got the we've got the TV. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're like this is. A, I gotta watch it. Yeah. You know, like uh, those oh moments. man, yeah. Because you know, like nowadays, kids watch cartoons whenever they want. Like it's on TV, and yeah. you know, as you say, you just <coughs> pull it up. There yeah. you go. Or you know, a parent handing their ch- handing their child an iPad there. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's a whole that's a whole other problem. But like, you, you guys will deal with that in the future. No, I'm sure. no iPod. <laughs> like ideally not, but yeah. You know, they uh, was it the um, yeah that's. Well, there you go. No, no, those are the uh, yeah. It's it's you know it's it's a bygone period, and yeah. um, even I mean even thinking about uh, you know the marriage of Bet and Boo. My favorite story about you is you playing the reverend, and you had to play, you had to mimic a piece of, I mean, people listening to this podcast will not, can't visualize it. I can't even help you visualize it. You played a piece of bacon, sizzling. Sizzling bacon. (laughs) You have to to know the Christopher Durang play, but it is very, very zany and just crazy, and we needed people to just just go out there and just be crazy. Yeah. And it's unfortunate, but a lot of actors that I deal with right now, you have to have permission just to be a kid. Oh, really? To just, to just, just be out there and just play and just, you know, and just be wild. And uh, they're a lot, they're, you know, people are just very, yeah. they have their inhibitions. You know, they're like, oh, wait a minute. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to make myself look like a complete idiot if I <laughs> get on the floor and literally jiggle. Oh, that's <laughs> right. Michael's a Remember you did that? I did that. Oh, yeah. that was my favorite. That I was still the, um, about that. Well, you know, that's the thing about it. I mean, I guess l- uh, that was lucky with my training was the fact that, like, you know, and sometimes it is hard to like, you know, yeah, you, you got to take the chance. Yeah. You know, you just have to kind of sometimes you just got to, you know, throw yourself into it and kind of. Mm-hmm. Well, w- actually, you know what? I can imagine it would be hard now in some ways because <laughs> nowadays everything ends up being videotaped. Oh, yeah. You like, wouldn't mind that, would you? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, like, I don't know. I don't I'm not particularly fond of seeing myself on screen or anything like that. So I'm like, I don't know if I'd want to, uh, you know, like, lend up, like, 
you know, or like, you know, it'd be unfortunate if something goes viral. Like, yeah. you know, I feel sorry for people like, you know, it becomes like, oh, my God, that's crazy. Yeah, like, I, I can understand why people would be a little bit hesitant at times because, mm -hmm. God forbid, they do something. And, like, I always think, and this is before it became viral, was that kid with the, you know, that he was a big kid and with the Jedi thing. Oh, I remember that. Remember yeah. that? And, and he was and just, he was like, he was, he was mocked. mocked. And, yeah, you know what, yeah, like, yeah. The, and you know what, honestly, yeah. like, there's probably been a time, like, I probably did something like that sure, where I, like, sure. like, you know, was, like, going and doing an elbow drop on the air or yeah. something like yeah. that yeah. or like you know kind of did a <laughs> you know or yeah. something like that and yeah. just a moment of abandonment and joy sure and you know what you were in your head and you you know it felt good and next thing you know it's like now it's like you know yeah. what like because nobody's as they say being empathetic and putting themselves in sure. that person's sure. like you know what you've done it too like yeah. and you know you're gonna mock this person yeah. or the memes you know the, they are like you know someone takes a, a you know crazy picture of you and uploads it right and then it becomes a meme like the irma god meme yeah. and uh there's they're crazy folks who yeah yeah and i just feel like you know like it's it's like you know that's taking it too far sure like, you know because we can all basically have been there and as you say you have permission to mm -hmm. to do that and not feel that you you know it's going to basically haunt you forever Right, right, exactly. You know, and I and I guess you know it's a generational thing. Like, there's a bunch of young people; they don't see the problem with that. Unfortunately, you know, as well, of course you grow up and then you learn what it is to be an adult, and mm -hmm. uh, and and life goes on, and then you remember. Mm -hmm. With that said, we are at we've hit the one hour mark. Uh, cool. Usually, I um, <clears throat> I'm going to announce some birthdays of folks who are uh, who are part of the theater community uh, today. Paul Harkness, uh, he has his birthday, 74 years old. We had Paul on as uh, a uh, guest on the Yay. He's a uh, budding playwright uh, working on his play about Civil War. And so his birthday is uh, today. Happy birthday. Also, Judd Farrar, uh, his birthday is uh, today. Uh, he's a member of Bendelstiff Studios. Bendelstiff has his, has his 30th anniversary. So happy birthday, Judd. Um, Madeline Puccioni. I believe Madeline Pussioni is a part of the CCCT, I believe, uh, the Contra Costa Civic Theater. And so uh, her birthday is also today. I want to have happy birthday to those folks. Uh, on Friday, uh, this past Friday, Tondiwe, it's uh, his birthday. Tondiwe is now in, um, in Atlanta, the Dirty Dirty ATL. Um, and uh, he and I shared the stage we did um, – the Richard Wright uh, play, uh, Before the Dream. Also, uh, let's see. I'm going down the list. Uh, Bob Zick on Friday. His birthday will be on Friday. And uh, Bob and I, we were part of a theater company called Bay Stage. As a matter of fact, uh, Bay Stage folded. And then I did The Marriage of Benton Boo. And then Bob and I were involved in East Enders Repertory Company. So uh, sort of a blast in the past. And he turns 45 on Friday. So happy birthday to all of those folks. Brian, did you have a good time? Oh, it was awesome. Thank yeah, you very much. It was great uh, connecting with you again. Yeah. I know that you've been away from the theater for a long time, but you're still part of the, you know, the community because you're part of the, uh, the past and a part of, you know, people may say, oh, I remember Theater Rhubarb. I went to a show, or I remember The Marriage of Benton Boo. Yeah. So there you go. And hopefully you'll be back on. You don't have the bug. You, you maybe, well, I, maybe. maybe. I mean, you know, the thing is, since I changed my job, I don't have any, uh, I don't have any time off. So. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know. Uh, you know, I, I have time now, as yeah. they say, like after work. So, you know, yeah, could happen, you know. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, I'm going to see. I'm going to promote you, and because you know uh, you're a fantastic comedian, I think you still have the chops. You know. Oh, thank you. It's kind of like you know getting on a bike. You know, you you always remember, yeah. even though you haven't written for a while. Anyone hasn't written for a while. There's also a show coming up. Hello, uh, no, actually, Hello Dolly closed. Mahabharata um, is playing at the Ubuntu Theater Project. That closes December the 8th, so uh, people should go see that. And with that, uh, I'll give you my blurb. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones, iPads. Any app that you listen to uh, your podcast, you can find us. You, we're also on Spotify. Of course, you're listening to it now, but tell your friends. If you're an old stogie like me and you listen to your podcast on a laptop or a desktop, you can go on iTunes and find us. Uh, also, if you're an Android user, you can use the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com and you can find us. The Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. You can find me at Reg Space Clay. Norman is at Hoosier Hoosier. Brian, do you have a in Twitter, Instagram, anything like that? No, actually, I don't. <laughs> but you're on Facebook. I'm on so Facebook. There you go. <laughs> so if you're looking for a uh, fantastic actor um, who is just magnificent, magnificent comedian, uh, you can hit up Brian Bonham. And as Norman and I would always say, we've got to find a better sign-off. We do.